0: Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis.
1: Here we go. All right, welcome back to Ducks and Pucks. We have a different edition for you this week. It's not just Eddie and myself. We also have Adam. Tasha and Thomas on as well. You guys uh followed us and see their articles as well. So they're going to add some more uh, input to our discussion this week. We're going to focus a lot on the trade rumors and everything going on with the Ducks making a move and other teams making a move and the deadline coming up. Um, so we're going to go over all of that. But before we do that, we're going to go over last week um, the three games that the Ducks played. Um, Eddie, we talked about this. Uh, we thought the Ducks would win two out of three the Ducks did win two out of three, but not quite what we thought. We thought that they would beat the Jets and the Maple Leafs and and maybe lose to the Blues, but it ended up being different. The, the Ducks beat the Jets, beat the Blues, had a crazy game against the Leafs, which we'll talk about, but um, let's start first with the uh, Jets game.
2: Yeah, I mean, we expected them to win. To go into the Jets game and win, obviously, it was going to be a tough game. They, they play a physical game, but uh, you know they're struggling in a tough Central Division this year, and you know they came out and played well and carried on for the other few games. They had two power play goals in this game. You know Perry continued scoring. Raquel got the first goal of the game, and it was just a strong effort. They outshot them thirty five to twenty, and you know pretty much what we we expected and you know really what we hoped to they would get off to on this uh, these three games coming up.
1: Yeah, and how about the special teams in this? Uh, you know, Thomas, we talked about this. The Ducks in this game were flawless. They uh, killed off all the uh, power plays that Winnipeg had, and they went two for two on the penalty kill, which has still been the top in the league.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Ducks penalty kill has been it's been the best in the league this season. It's simply phenomenal. It starts with Ryan Kessler winning that first face-off almost every single time. Um, it's not Kessler, it's Thompson, it's Torkoff, it one of them winning that draw and clearing the puck. Um, it's Gibson, it's Anderson, it was Kudobin all making big saves with the Ducks down a man. I mean, the power play has been their biggest weakness for most of the season, but over the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight games, it's really picked up, and you know, in that game, it was great. It went uh, two for two, I believe, and just you know, they're passing well. They were shooting well. They made great decisions. They entered the zone. They won the faceoff, and just the power play looked phenomenal for one of the few times of the season. It was really great to see.
1: Yeah, it was an all-around good effort by the Ducks. I thought that they played well offensively and defensively, and I think that uh, Kessler's been picking up a lot better. Uh, you know, we saw him do well last week, and he does better in some of these games. Uh, How impressed are you, Adam, by him? You know, I I read some articles about some people, you know, talking a little bit of trash, uh, more so from the Canadian media. But what do you think about Kessler as he's been picking it up this last week and a half?
3: I think that it's um, certain that can be the player that he was last year and the player he's been in Vancouver. Um, I'm I'm just really excited, and it's something that we're going to need. This last half is we're fighting to get into the playoffs, and then when we get into the playoffs. If we can have playoff Kessler again, um, that's really what we need as a team.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. If we get more of a playoff Kessler and getting that second line going, then that's what the Ducks are going to need. Uh, Tasha, anything you have to add about this game that uh, uh, the Ducks took against the Jets?
3: Um, no, I thought we played uh, sound defensively and offensively, and I just think we just seemed to click that night.
1: Yeah, and that's what we had hoped after this game, going into the uh, game against Toronto, which <laughs> ended up being a complete cluster. You know what? Um, I don't like to complain about the refs. I don't like to say that they cost the Ducks a game, but the refs really screwed up this game for lack of a better term. I, I have no other way of putting it, Eddie. The Ducks did lose this game for nothing. They did not play well after the first twenty minutes, but the refs really let this go. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and you know the, the the Ducks always seem to struggle against the Leafs. I'm not sure what it is. I mean, every team has a, a team they seem to struggle against, and, and recently it's been the the Leafs. And no matter what coach seems to be behind the the bench uh, for them, the, the Ducks just seem not to be able to beat them. I mean, I the, the, the games that I get to see, I have to go over to the ACC, and every time I've I've gone over to see them, that they've ended up losing. So, and I mean, it's it it is a bit of a surprise with the way you know the Leafs have been playing this season. They've They've played teams tough, but they they don't have the the quality to to win games, and you know especially with with how up and down bernier has been this season, this is one of the games we expect them to come into and win. And you know they they had a couple power play opportunities they let go, and and then like you said, the the, the refs in this game kind of just threw it away. Um, you know you can't blame the whole game, and the the refs they did lose four or nothing, but it w- it was a pretty bad performance for, for the officials.
1: Yeah, and I, and I thought a key turning point in this game was when Polak hit and knocked him down. He gets a two-minute minor, which to me should have been way more. And then it ends up Manson and him start to fight. And, uh, you know, at the end of the fight after Manson pretty much levels him. At the end, you see a a late punch. Didn't really do much, but another late punch on to Manson. Manson goes off, and Manson's the one who gets ten minutes uh, booted out of the game. Uh, You know, Thomas, looking at this, I, I was glad to see Manson obviously stand up for Santorelli getting knocked down. But at this point in the game, to me, it seemed just critical that the refs should have called more on Toronto at this point, and it just kind of seemed to affect the game from that point on.
0: Yeah, that was a very, very dangerous hit um, on Santorelli, and it should have been a major. There's no question <coughs> about it. Um, I think the league noticed it and told the refs to keep a closer eye on Pollock, and that's why when he hit, had a similar hit the next night against L.A., they gave him a major and kicked him out of the game, and that hit... I don't think most was as bad as the Santorelli hit. Most people don't think it was as bad, but it still was a relatively nasty one, but that one on Santorelli, no question. It should have been a major that could have really, really, um, injured Santorelli severely. And I mean, the Ducks say he's fine, but he was scratched the next game. And, you know, it's, I think pretty obvious that they were holding him out just to make sure he is actually okay and good to go. Cause he's been one of their better players over the last bunch of games. He was great against Vancouver. Um, he was very against um, Winnipeg, and he's been playing very, very well lately. Um, so that hit was very scary, very dangerous, and it was completely ridiculous that Manson got the extra ten minutes in that fight.
2: Yeah,
1: I just thought it was unfortunate, you know. And and <clears throat> I think in the second period, another turning point uh, was when Perry got knocked down, and then uh, Toronto comes back down, scores on next sequence, makes it two nothing. And you see the Ducks end up basically you know, retaliating on a lot of the calls, which you don't blame them. They're not getting the calls, and you want to stand up for yourself and your teammates. So I blame them for that. The, uh, the crazy thing about this game is it was the 26th game in a row where we had seen the Ducks either have the equal amount or less amount of power plays as their opponents. And uh, I'll just shoot this one at Adam. You know, what do you think? Do you think it's, it's? The, I mean, we don't want to say conspiracy. The refs are against the Ducks. But, I mean, do you think the Ducks are not working hard enough? Or do you think that they're retaliating too much? Or just what's your thought on it?
3: Well, um, you know, no one wants to be that fan who goes, oh, the refs are against us, the leagues are against us. Uh, but, you know, it, it's kind of hard. They, they pulled up in the last uh, broadcast. They were showing how many penalties the Ducks have taken in the last 10 years as opposed to power plays they've gotten. They are dead last in the NHL. And I'm I'm not going to be that fan who says that the league's against us. But uh, I do think a lot of it does come from either being out of position or being lazy. Certain players are like that. And certain times I think it's just, it's really, really bad refs. And it seems like when the refs are bad, they're not just kind of bad. they They're pretty awful, you know. And it's uh, it's a combination of the two. It's a combination of lazy play and then bad refs that happen to be in the same game together. Um, and it's definitely frustrating. It's definitely something the Ducks need to work on. The only thing they can work on, though, is uh, fixing the the laziness and, and being in position. They can't really do anything about the whole ref situation.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. That, that's something that's difficult. They have to fight through that. And they basically did that in the next game against the Blues... They ended up getting an early goal. Um, I was joking on Twitter. Kessler gets his goal. You know, obviously he's number 17, but he gets it at 17 minutes. It was kind of kind of weird, but it was kind of interesting that he did that. And the Ducks played a great first period. Uh, the second line was rolling with Hagelin, Silverberg, and Kessler, and they were rolling the whole night. Um, but then you see the Ducks, the second period, all that craziness, Eddie, that we've talked about all last season, this season. They give up three goals in a row um they are taking uh penalties uh or i should say perry was being a punching bag for most of the period but and the game but you know the ducks got down fortunately perry does get a goal late in the second gets the ducks back within one and then the ducks go on fire in the third period they really could have won this game in the third um and you know and, and then eventually went to the overtime into the shootout but i thought the ducks fought a lot better through the penalties in this game eddie
2: yeah you know that they've haven't really had any issues. Uh, I mean, obviously the penalty kill's been so great uh for most of the season, and you know they haven't really had any issues dealing with with the refs and with with adversity with penalties throughout the whole season. It's just uh, the second periods. I mean, it's as much as last year we talked about it, it's become a problem again this year. Maybe not as much, but there are a lot of games that we've had and they've they've played really well in the first period. And right when the second period comes out, it's a it's a whole different team, and and we see it in this game. I mean, the Ryan Reeves goal was one Gibson I'm sure he'd want back. And, and I mean, even the Brouwer one as well. And not much you can do on, on the Robbie Fabry goal. Uh, you know, Biexa and Votnin were caught out of position and Fabry came off the bench and one-on-one with, with Gibson. Not much you can do, but they, they kind of just fell apart in, in, in most of that second period. And I think the the key here is we saw something we haven't seen uh, pretty much at all this season was, was Perry was able to get a goal You know, 30 seconds after that goal, uh, just a, a, a punch back, and able to keep them in the game, because I'm, I'm, I am I'm think everybody would agree if they if they went into the third period down 3-1, there wasn't much hope with, with how this team's played and, and them coming back and winning. And like you said, they, they came out on fire and, in the third period and, and really could have wanted uh, you know, Brian Elliott stood in his head, and luckily we were able to get it done in the shootout for once. Yeah,
1: I mean, the Ducks finally came back, too. I, I don't have the stats on the comebacks, but it's not like last year when we had a ridiculous amount. Um, so it was nice to see them come back and win this one. Um, I'm curious, uh, Thomas. What did you think about uh, Tarasenko and Kessler going at it? You know, there was a lot of we had a lot of craziness in the last game. Uh, what did you think about in this one? Uh, there was a lot of you know hits and cross checking and all kinds of stuff going on throughout this game.
0: So the Blues and the Blues are the only team in the Western Conference that the Ducks have never faced each other in the playoffs, um, which I find surprising, just because how nasty the games against St. Louis always are. These two teams just do not like each other, um, and that's without ever having to face each other in the postseason. Um, so it's always expected. There's going to be bad hits. There'll be nasty hits. There's going to be some fight. There'll be some rough and tumble hockey. Um, we saw Getzloff knock out Jay Beaumont in the first period with just a brutal but clean check. Um, at one point, uh, I forget who it was, but someone just nailed Sammy Votnin on, on the forecheck. Another brutal but clean check. Um, and Kessler, he in this play, he laid out Yori Latera. And Terry Asenka wanted to stand up for his teammate. Um, he thought the hit was a little for the line, and I have no issue with him doing that. Um, it was a pretty entertaining fight. Um, was, I think it's always kind of fun watching superstars go at it. And while Kessler's not a superstar, Terry Asenka certainly is. I think he's the, probably the second or third best goal scorer in the NHL today. Um, so I thought this was a very, very entertaining tilt. Uh, my big issue with that entire sequence was, just as that fight was starting, uh, Voughton um, came over to try and break up the play, But Yori Laterra, after he got up, came over, cross-checked Votnin right in the back, and sent him face-first into the boards, and that was a very, very dangerous, scary moment, and that should have been a major penalty, regardless of what happened anywhere else on the ice. Um, But I think because of the fight happening, the refs completely missed that one, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And you know what? I I think the whole night it was just, let's cross-check the Ducks from the Blues. I mean, I'm not saying the Ducks weren't nasty too, but that's just what it seemed like. There was that one sequence where Perry's laying in the ice. He gets cross-checked in the back, hit in the head, nothing. Um, We see him get knocked into Allen, uh, even though some of the Blues fans thought he ran into the goalie. Uh, Some of my my, uh, Blues uh, followers, uh, sorry guys, that's not really what happened, Uh, your own player. Pushed him into your goalie, so you might want to check the replay uh, on that one. You know, you can check out my regular face. Uh, she's got a lot of gifs on there that show what really happened. But I, I think that the the big key in this one, uh, and I'll throw this one at him, is with Perry. So many people hate Perry, get on him and everything. But the thing that you have to give Perry credit for is he did not retaliate in this game. Not one time did he go back at them, even though he got his butt kicked. Literally, uh, throughout this game, ice bath, we heard, for 45 minutes or an hour or something like that after the game. You have to give him credit for taking all those beatings and, and, and just not really trying to you know, get goaded into bigger penalties at all, Adam.
3: Uh, I think it was very mature for Perry, and I think that's something um, we would like to point out to any of his detractors, anyone who says that he's uh, nothing but an agitator. Uh, look at his play in the uh, St. Louis game. I think some of it might have to do with um, what happened in the Toronto game, his retaliation against uh, Bernier's slash against the back of his knee. Um, and I'm not saying that that was wrong or that was right. I'm just saying that it happened. I think Corey Perry's taken notice of that kind of thing. And it it was uh, it was a good moment to see. It was a good game for him. It was good to see him not retaliate, step up, and, and be that um, alternate captain that we need him to be um, on the ice like that.
1: Yeah, and I think, I'll throw the last one to Eddie on this one. I I think it's a key point that you look at the Ducks roster, you look at the scoring, and and you have a handful of guys that, you know, four, five, six goals, whatever. You have Perry being the main guy. He is the guy that's scoring for our team. We don't really have two or three guys like we did last year. So, to me, it seems like the strategy lately with some of these teams that play a more physical style of game, you know, Winnipeg, Toronto, the Blues, some of the other teams we played earlier in the year. It seems like they go after Perry because they're like, okay, look at the Ducks roster, Perry's the guy. If we can shut him down, we can shut down the rest of the team. Eddie.
2: Yeah, I mean that's the strategy we employ on most teams by putting Ryan Kessler on, on their best players. We did in the playoffs against Jonathan Taves and, and pretty much shut him out for most of the playoffs. You know, even with Patrick Kane as well. And uh, I mean, it, it's a tactic that's that a lot of teams employ. But when you're a team that is struggling to score a lot of goals. I mean, you see it when a lot of teams play Philadelphia this season. If, if you shut down Giroux and Voracek, there's not much offense coming from the rest of that lineup. Um, and it, it's a bit of the same here. I mean, in, in Perry, it, it's hard to get under his skin, but if uh, if you can successfully shut him down, um, there's not that second line coming out that you've got to worry about this year. And, and, and I think mean, we're calping on that top line too. You take a, a little bit of offense out of that bottom six. So it, it's definitely a tactic we've seen. Uh, being played obviously Perry has has been able to fight through it and and still you know scored a decent amount of goals so far this season but um it's something they definitely have to look to address
1: yeah I agree with you I think it's something the Ducks you know they got to protect Perry which they have been doing so it's been good but I you know I just hope he stays healthy because I mean he's taking such a beating um speaking about being healthy we got some updates today some good news for the Ducks blue line we heard about uh, Simone Dupre was back out practicing um it looked like he was practicing in full uh he wasn't wearing any non-contact jersey today but i I still think he kind of took it a little bit easy but he was out there doing the individual stuff doing some of the team stuff we don't have a timetable when he gets back i know a lot of you guys ask uh dan wood or eric stevens or myself and other people um the timetable we don't know unfortunately i am sorry i know you want to know and i want to know but uh, at least he's out there. That's a good sign. So hopefully we get him back. Uh, they also said that Stoner was out there doing better as well and that he may be back on Sunday. If not, we're looking towards Wednesday. So that's some of the good news that we got today as far as the Ducks getting healthy on the blue line because that's where we've had you know the majority of the injuries that, uh, this season. Um, with that, the big news this week was the trade that came out with the Ducks in Montreal. Uh, Max Freiberg got sent to Montreal for the goalie, uh, Tzarski. So that was the move that was made, which ended up sending up an explosion on social media, Eddie. Everybody was going crazy about what was going to happen. You know, Anderson's gone, Gibson's gone, dobin has gone. I mean, it was just, like, crazy. Uh, I, I didn't put out an article on it till right away, and then we had a follow-up article the poll question, uh, you know, explaining all the scenarios about what could happen. But um, what are your thoughts? We'll go, we'll go around with everybody. What are your thoughts on this trade, Eddie?
2: Uh, well, there was more excitement on on what could come after this trade than, than really it's, this trade. I, I mean, the trade itself isn't a big uh, a big trade. It's a uh, you know a depth prospect uh, for a, a depth goalie. That's you know Tukarski's had some NHL experience with with Montreal and Tampa Bay, but uh, there's no chance uh, that he comes up and and either ever starts for the Ducks. It's it's an AHL move and. Uh, there's some hope for Montreal. I I assume that Freiburg will eventually be able to fill up their bottom six, uh, if not this year, maybe next year. But, uh, yeah, it was more so the Ducks acquiring another goalie, which created all the the talk. I mean, we've heard all season that there's a chance that Freddie could be traded if any goalie is traded. Um, uh, You you don't see them uh, after just extending Gibson and and with his age and everybody expecting him to be the the number one goalie for the next few years uh, or for the foreseeable future. Uh, Anderson was the guy that everybody was talking about to be traded, and, until <clears throat> Eric Stevens came out and said that Hudobin uh, is the guy who would most who wants out, he wants to to start in the NHL or at least have an NHL job. So that kind of cooled the <laughs> cooled the the anger down a little bit. And uh, I mean, we obviously haven't seen anything happen yet. The deadline is still over a month away, but uh, yeah, it, it definitely created some some stir uh, among the fans. And you know, we're still all waiting to see what actually comes out of this.
1: I'll go with Thomas next. What do you think about the trade? What do you think as far as another move? Because that's kind of, you know, the word on the street is the Ducks are going to go for something else. Uh, We don't know exactly what, but what do you think, Thomas?
0: I think it depends upon what the Ducks want out of this season. If they want and still think they can make the playoffs, which I think they can, um, given the weakness in the Pacific Division this season, I think they will keep Frederick Anderson and then trade him at the draft. Um, because while Gibson is a great goalie both now and in the future, Um, over the last few seasons he has had some injury problems, and if he goes down, having a combination of Hudobin and Tokarski in the playoffs is an incredibly terrifying thought, and the Ducks will probably be swept in the first round if that happens. So I think you have to keep both Anderson and Gibson if you are planning to make the playoffs this year. Um, If the Ducks do think they will not make the playoffs this season, if they think the season is a lost cause, then I do actually do think Anderson will be traded by the trade deadline. Um, now, all that being said, the Ducks could make could want to make the playoffs and still trade Anderson if, you know, some incredible deal was put in front of them. Like, if it was Anderson for Jonathan Druin, Anderson for, I don't know, Thomas Van or uh, Kyle Poso or just one of these really big names in the market was Anderson straight up for this one player, then the Ducks, I think, actually might consider that. Um, but the odds of that happening, especially given the two te- players and names I just mentioned it's very very unlikely that will happen and then as for the deal itself a free group for Dukarski I and mean, I think Freeburg is a great prospect um, he was one of my favorites in the Duck system I'm sorry to see him go um, but his future is as a bottom six winger he's not going to be a big time scorer in the NHL and what the Ducks need right now is scoring there's no question they desperately need goal scoring so Freeburg will not help them this season in that regard so by trading him away and bringing in another goalie, if we trade Ayerson, if we trade whoever it is, if it's used to bring in a scoring winger eventually, then I think this was the right move for the Ducks right now because Freeberg, I love him as a prospect, but he's not going to help the Ducks scoring woes this season.
1: I completely agree with you. You know, I met him a couple of times. He's a really nice guy. He's a good forward, but he's not a top six guy like you're talking about, or a guy that's going to you know put up. Twenty thirty goals. I mean, that's just the situation he's in right now. He's he's not a bad player. Don't not don't. I'm not knocking him, but he's just not the type that we need. Um, what do you think, Adam? As far as the trade, and uh, you know, if maybe the Ducks trade a goalie for a, a winger to get some offense going.
3: Um, you know, I, I also like Freiberg. I think that he's a uh, you know he was a solid AHL player slash uh, fringe NHL player. Um. It sucks to see him go. This guy Tokarski, he's you know he's going to be a good um, AHL goalie. He could even be a decent uh, backup NHL goalie if we decide to keep him. He's going to be an RFA at the end of the year. Um, as for a trade, I I also would advise against it. I don't think that's a great idea. If the Ducks are planning on making the playoffs, which I think they will, weak Pacific like everyone has said, they can easily be. Uh, the third or second team, maybe even the first, possibly, who knows, Um, to see them trade Anderson or even Gibson, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, uh, I think that would be saying we're not going to be making the playoffs or we don't plan on going deep in the playoffs. If we want it to be a competitive year, make it to the third round or so, um, keeping both goalies is vital to the Ducks' playoff chances.
1: And I think that's the thought amongst all of us. I I really think, you know, and I wrote that one piece when it first came out. I I think the Ducks do trade a goalie. I think Hudovin's the one that wants to go. um, Because I know firsthand that, you know, he doesn't want to be in San Diego. And it's not that he doesn't want to play for the goals, but he feels that he should have a chance back in the NHL, which we saw him, you know, do pretty well in Carolina and Boston in those backup roles. So I don't blame him getting a chance. So it's going to be interesting to see. But if Murray is to try to help him do that, I could see Dublin getting moved and then maybe we get a forward or some kind of a package deal. Who that's going to be, I I really don't know. The only thing that we do know is we know that the Ducks are in on Druin. There was a a tweet out earlier that I sent out talking about Syracuse hockey and and the representatives at the game tonight, which is the uh, New Jersey Devils-Nashville florida toronto uh ducks as we mentioned ottawa buffalo chicago so you have all these teams there's probably a few more you know that may be in on there too so eddie that's kind of been the talk you know uh we had that article that you put out on Druin, and we talked about that what do you think as far as the ducks uh going after him do you think he might be overpriced do you think the ducks can make a trade for him or do you think eisenman is just going to tell everybody to pound sand uh
2: it's it's a tough situation it doesn't happen often where a guy of of this quality with the potential that he has and, and where he got drafted and, and only being in the league for, for two years and you know that he asked for a trade out, out of the team and it it's tough to to really put where his what his value is. I mean if out of the draft if you were to try and trade him then his value was at the highest. I mean everybody expected him to come in the league this year and, and challenge for the Calder trophies, been plagued with a lower body injury being out three separate times this season and I mean, he started off really strong, and and now he only has eight points in in 19 games played. Uh, but and you know, he played the the first game for Syracuse uh, this season, and he scored two goals in his first game. So it, it, it's tough to put his value anyway. I mean, he's he's going to command a lot. Um, I don't think he's going to command as much as as he could have earlier on in his career, or or later down his career, if if they decide to to keep him uh, beyond this season, which uh, I, I highly doubt. Seeing, I, I would assume that he'd probably get dealt before. Um, before the deadline, there's there's going to be a lot of good offers coming from pretty much every team in the league. And you know, from what we've heard, the the Ducks are up near the front, and Tampa Bay is looking for a right-handed defenseman and, and a, a in-your-face physical type forward. And, I mean, those are two things that we have. And I, I think uh, our, our defense core and our, our depth on our defense is, is, is strong enough that we're able to give up one. And, I mean, this isn't a trade that just makes us better this season. This is a, a, a trade that makes you better in, in the long run. Drewin's going to be a, a quality top six player, if not, I mean, one of the, the more most dynamic goal scorers in the league in, in a couple seasons. You know, I think it all depends on, on the system that he gets played in.
1: Good points, Eddie. Uh, Thomas, what do you think about drew and you know all these teams trying to pursue him?
0: And I think the issue with someone like Jonathan Drewin, um and he was the third overall pick in the 2013 draft, and the 2013 draft... Um, I mean, it was still only a couple of year, years ago, so it's still hard to say how good or bad that draft is and where a lot of players are, but I mean, it's clearly some very good players that's come out of that draft. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, McKinnon, Alexander Barkoff, Seth Jones, Darnell North, uh, Sean Monaghan, our own Shea Theodore, all come out of that draft, so it's a very, it's a good draft. Um, you know, Drew Wynn taking third overall means that a lot of people were very high on him at the time. Um, his NHL career so far has not panned out well but the question is is that his own doing is that the coach um misusing him is that the coach putting him in a checking role because that's how they want him to start out and they want him to earn top line minutes and it's hard to say exactly why um his angel career has not gotten off the way it has um but because his angel career is not where a lot of people expect it, it's hard to say what his value is i mean if you told me in 2013 the ducks traded um the 26th overall pick for the third overall pick straight up, which would be Theodore for Druin, I would have been ecstatic at the time. Um, today, I'm not sure I would do that deal just because we've seen you know, in a very limited sample size. But say Theodore has looked like he belongs to the NHL and looks very com- comfortable and very confident on the Ducks blue line. So right now, I don't think I would do that deal. Whereas two years ago, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Um, so because of how his career trajectory has gone, it's very hard to judge what his value is. Is he worth an actual top-four defenseman, like, say, Asami Vatanen, or is he worth um, a prospect defenseman, like, Brandon Montour? So it's hard to judge exactly what he is. Um, also, the other thing in mind is, if the Ducks were to trade for him and give up, say, Vatanen or Dupre or anyone in their blue line, um, they have to be very careful because with so many bodies injured right now, you know, if they trade um, Vatanen or Lindholm tomorrow for Jonathan Drouin straight up, their top six will be Holzer, Stoner, Biexa, uh, Theodore, either Lindholm or and whoever's left, and Manson, and that is not a very good top six. Um, now, granted, the Prey should hopefully be back in the next couple of weeks. Pallas, um, hopefully, only two or three more weeks away at this point. But still, those—if that was your top six for a period of uh, several weeks—it could really bury the Ducks in a hole. So, if they want, if the Ducks want him, this kid Druin, uh, it would be very difficult to trade someone out of their top four for him without really hurting the team going forward.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you. I think it's a tough spot. Uh, what do you think, Adam? You think the Ducks will try to make a pitch, or you think we're going to pack us on the deal?
3: Um, I could. It's it's hard to tell whether he's going to be traded at the trade deadline or beforehand. We've seen some blockbuster trades already happen. Uh, you know, before the trade deadline, we're still like a month and a little over a month away from it. I could see the Ducks making an offer, maybe you know, for Drew in. Um, Right now, I think he's going to be a little more expensive than he will be at the deadline. I do think that, um, you know, they're looking for that right-handed defenseman. It could be like Shattenkirk from the Blues is what I've heard, or I guess for us it would be Vattenen or someone like that. Um, I could see the Ducks getting him, but I don't think that it'll be uh, before the trade deadline. If the Ducks were going to get him, it would be at the trade deadline, and it would be for... Uh, Vatnin plus something. I don't know what it would be. So because of then the, the most of our blue line will be healthy as well. It just makes more sense. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Exactly. It does make more sense because we're still waiting. I mean, even though is out there skating, it's going to be some time. We get Stoner back. Fowler still, you know, a few weeks out. So we have to wait and see. But as far as other people out there, and I'll give everybody a, you know your own shot at this, and I'll, I'll go in the same order. I'll go with Eddie first. Besides Druin, is there anybody else out there that you would, you know, want the Ducks to try to pursue if the deal was right, or anybody that, you know, maybe someone that hasn't been mentioned in the media? What would you think, Eddie, as far as other potential players of the Ducks? You know, we got a month and a half here to go, but uh, who they might pursue.
2: Well, there was five guys I was looking at uh, for most of the season, and, and with rumors, I'm only going to mention one because I don't want to take anybody else's. But one guy that I've I've really been hoping that they've been looking at it all. I guess it all depends on on where the team finishes. But uh, Louis Eriksson uh, for the Boston Bruins. Uh, he can play left or right wing, and uh, he's having a renaissance season with uh, the Bruins this year. Uh, I mean, he hasn't done that well um, on the Bruins since he left the Stars. I in the trade for Tyler Sagan and uh, he's having a great season this year, playing, um, majorly with uh, David Krejci, and, and at times uh, Matt Bellesky as well, um, and and I think uh, he would be a great addition. I, the only problem is it all depends on where the Bruins are. Right now, they're they're sitting around that seventh, eighth, ninth spot in, in the playoffs, and I I think they do think that they can make the playoffs, and and you know maybe not go far, but at least challenge. And he's a big part of their offense, and and. I'm not too sure exactly what they'd be looking for because if you give up a scoring winger, I, I think they'd be looking for another one. He is a UFA um, at the end of the season, so his value uh, will be a lot less than it would be if he was still under contract. So I think he's a guy they should definitely look at. Um, he could really, you know, bolster the top six, and, and his power play numbers this season have been really good as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I added him on my fantasy team, but Tosh is still killing me this week. So. <laughs> my-
2: He's there, <laughs> but she's
1: killing me by almost 50 points. But anyways, I'm hoping to do better later on in this one. But no, but um, I agree with you. I, I think he's a great uh, option to go for. Like you said, left and right wing. Definitely someone the Ducks should look for. Uh, Thomas, who, who out there would you uh, try to pursue if you were the Ducks?
0: Uh, there's a few players I'd look at. Um, I definitely agree. Louis Erickson is one player who um, I thought for a long time that would fit very nicely in Anaheim. Um, but there are two players I'll mention the first. Um, from Columbus, Kirby Reichel. He's another first-round pick from 2013. He is also requested to trade. Um, He's a left-winger. He doesn't have the same potential that Jonathan Druin does, but he's a first-round pick. He plays on the left wing, which the Ducks, know, they always do. He left-wingers in their system. um, He's someone who I think would be much easier to get off Columbus than Druin out of Tampa Bay. So um, if someone else gets Druin, Reichel might not be a um, terrible, you know, option instead uh and the, the other player i would look at is um from the winnipeg jets andrew lott he's having a very very strong season and winnipeg at this point they're our last in the central division um and you know at most five teams in that division will make the playoffs um and i think four of those spots are pretty much locked that last spot will be nashville colorado winnipeg and i think nashville will get it um so with winnipeg out of the playoffs i think they're going to trade their big ufas um and i think andrew lott you know he's a Big body, he's got a mean streak, he can score goals. I think he'd fit in very nicely on the Ducks roster.
1: Yeah, I like both those names. You know, Reichel's name has come up, and there's been a few teams that are in on him too as well. So I could definitely see him getting moved along with, obviously, Julian, that's the big name that's thrown around all over the place. But you're right, Lad's another one that's a good one that we could add. Uh, Adam, what are your thoughts on who's out there <coughs> who you go after?
3: I think Erickson would be a not a bad choice because he can't play. Left and right wing, um, you know, with with finding that left wing for uh, Perry and Getzlaf, kind of in uh, Ricard Raquel, it's uh, it, it makes it a little uh, more difficult trying to find uh, you know a, a scoring option through a trade. We have Raquel. I think he's doing very well. I think he's uh, someone you know that they can uh, rely on even into the playoffs and such. He's been doing so well uh, on that left wing spot. It doesn't quite negate the need for going out and trading for a, a big score, but uh, it does kind of help. It does make uh, you know you don't need to go get uh, you don't need to go get Drew in or someone of that caliber. You can get someone who can just kind of help out as a first, sometimes second, maybe even sometimes third line kind of guy. And to me, a name that kind of stands out is Colin Wilson from the Nashville Predators. Um, he has not been having a very great season there. He'd be looking for some sort of change. They have been looking to trade him. He was uh, he was part of that Seth Jones-Ryan Johansson trade initially before it went down to the player-for-player uh, player trade. Um, so, you know, he's on the block. He could be uh, bought relatively cheap because of the season he's having, and I think that he would actually do pretty good on the Ducks.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you know Nashville pretty well because you follow them as well as long as the Ducks. So if it's someone like that that can come in and even add, you know, uh, like Stewart... For Sanorelli this season, uh, that those kind of numbers, you know, in the second half of the season would be an added bonus for sure. Uh, Tasha, do you have anybody that uh, you have your eye on out there that the Ducks should go after?
3: Um, I'm having a coughing fit right now, so everybody, I'm really sick, so I <clears throat> will not talk at the moment.
1: <laughs> no worries. Uh, and we'll come back to you.
2: Yeah, well, I guess the good thing was uh, nobody mentioned the other guys I had, so I, I can mention the other four guys that I had. A lot of them are names that have been kind of popping up here and there throughout the season. Uh, I guess the first one is Kalak Poso from the New York Islanders. He's a pending UFA at the end of the season, and it doesn't look like the Islanders are going to attempt to re-sign him, so they'll be uh, – the only situation with this is, is because they are most likely going to make the playoffs, it's a guy you wouldn't expect to get moved to the deadline. Um, but just with the fact that they will probably not re-sign him, there would be potential for him to get moved, and maybe then bring in another forward in a trade. I um, mean, any forward we bring in, we're gonna have to move one, either going the opposite way in that trade or in another trade because I mean we're already having issues having to healthy scratch at somebody every night, either being Seka or Santarelli or Stewart. Um, so any trade for a, a top six or top nine forward we're gonna to have to send someone back but you know, he would definitely fit the system he's a physical power forward uh he's more of a right wing so I'm not too sure where he'd fit in uh, you wouldn't want to really force him over into the left wing and uh, play him on that top line you've got three right-handed shots it might be a little bit difficult um that's when you can look at a guy that I think everybody has mentioned so far is is a guy they'd love to to see on the top line with Perry and Getzloff and, and that's James Van Riensteik, uh from the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, just the way he plays and um, you know he can score goals, he can make plays, uh, but he's just a sneaky kind of player. He, he's a little bit like Corey Perry. Uh, he's not as much of a pest, but he kind of gets into those those spots uh, in front of the net. He you know he creates havoc for the goaltenders, and he has some really really good hands in front of the net. And he can just make plays happen. I think he would work. Pro- I mean, if you had to pick somebody in the league to play on that top line with them, I think he'd be one of the guys. Uh, if available, that you would you would definitely search to to uh, put on that line. Uh, and then I'll just quickly name the last two, so we're not—I'm not dragging it on here. Uh, Cam Atkinson from the Columbus Blue Jackets is a guy that's been rumored to uh, being dealt around. Uh, I think the Rangers are favorites to get him, but he's a guy that could really help uh, on that second or third line. And, and then Jordan Eberle is a guy that has been mentioned a lot this season. The the Oilers are looking to add some some guys on their defense. They're in for for Seth Jones, uh, but they didn't have enough to compete. Obviously Ryan Johansson, they didn't have enough to compete with that, but. Uh, it's rumored that they're looking to move either Ryan Nugent Hopkins or or Jordan Everly. So I think uh, if Everly became available, we uh, we st- definitely have the defense step to to go out and get him.
1: Those are all actually good you know options Eddie, that you bring up you know and some of those names have been mentioned before by other people as well. So it's going to be a, you know crazy another month and a half. Uh, I am personally taking work off on the trade deadline uh, so we can you know bring you more stuff just like we did last year. I don't want to give away all the details yet, but, you know, we're hoping to have some uh, some live stuff for you on that day. So stay tuned for that uh, as the weeks come and get closer to the trade deadline. Uh, with all that, let's try to get to some of the fan questions. You know, we always have uh, people that want to ask and know stuff um, and feel you know our thoughts and whatnot. So we'll get to some of those. We had one on uh, Twitter from Mark, and Mark talks about the injuries. And we kind of brought this up with Fowler, Stoner, and Dupree. And I'll go with Thomas first, and kind of go back to the the order we've been going through. But he asked the question with them coming back. What do you think happens on the blue line? Um, Who do you think gets down? The blue line comes.
0: Uh, That's a tough one. Um, And earlier this season, we saw Corbinian Holzer placed on waivers in San Diego um, when the entire blue line was healthy. So I think that's one thing the Ducks will do um, as they start getting healthier. Um, the real question is, what are they going to do with Theodore? Um, he's proven he is good enough right now to play in the NHL, um, certainly at least in a bottom six role, and on the, that top power play unit. Um, I think since the Ducks do need so much scoring help, that someone um, from their top six is going to be traded uh, at some point before the deadline um, to bring in maybe one of the players you discussed, or someone we have even thought about, who knows. But just to bring someone in, to help out with the scoring, um, and using one of those defensemen as um, the way to do that, which will enable the Ducks to keep Theodore um, up with the team. He's proven he's good enough to be in the NHL and belongs with the Ducks right now.
1: Adam, what do you think? Who, who gets sent back down or who uh, gets, you know, last man out kind of when we get all the demon back?
3: Uh, I think along with uh, what Thomas said, uh, Theodore has earned his spot here um in his play so i think it would have to be holzer or possibly stoner or you know uh obviously you're not going to sit someone like uh, lindholm or fowler or even Deprey. um if we do move someone like batten or something like that that wouldn't clear it up but i think right now the uh the choice would be holzer because like like we said theodore
2: has earned his spot on this team
1: eddie any last final thoughts on this
2: yeah, I, I definitely I agree with everybody. I, you know, I, I think similar to how Shane Gossesbeer has done with the Philadelphia Flyers this year, uh Thedos came up and he, he's really proven himself. I, I mean he hasn't put up the, the, the numbers to that uh has done in, in Philadelphia, but I think he's proven to you know that he is NHL ready and you know that that creates a little bit of a situation. Obviously is a guy you can send down, but other than that, uh you can't really send down anybody else. I, I think when everybody comes back healthy if guys like Drew Ann or some of the other guys we mentioned are still available, that creates a, a great opportunity for you to move uh, one of the defensemen that you have uh, to create that opportunity for, for Theodore so he can stay up in the lineup, and, and it gives you a good opportunity to add a scoring winger. So I, I think if uh, we do make a move, then then Theodore really is the number, you know, the guy that's going to stay in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I agree with all of you. I think Theodore is the guy that's going to stay up for sure. Uh, another question that we had going to the goalie situation. I guess if uh, we kind of assume if Anderson stays, uh, Tyler asks about the uh, situation between uh, Gibson and Anderson. Uh, do you pretty much go with Gibson being the guy right now, or would you see Anderson come back in and either split time or take over that role? And and kind of you know where do you go from there? What do you think, Thomas? Um, given Gibson's
0: injury history and given um the phenomenal play that anderson had at the start of the season i think you um you play both i think gibson at this point because of how well he's played since he's been called up you know the two shots of back-to-back games and four shots overall just how well he's been playing um i think at this point he's your starter but i think anderson will play more than the typical back would um i mean this last game is probably gibson's uh, worst outing that right in goal he gave up he, i think the worst goal of the season he's given up um but even with that said, he's still among the leaders, among goals against average in the NHL. Granted, it's a smaller sample size than most of the players on that list, but he has still played simply phenomenal since he has um, rejoined the Ducks. So I think he's your starter, um, but I think Anderson will get a decent amount of playing time. Um, and I'm probably expecting Anderson to get that smart, to get the uh, start tomorrow when the Ducks take on Detroit. Um, if not then, then, I think later in the week, Anderson certainly will see the net. Um, just because you want to keep him fresh, you want to keep him sharp. Um if anything happens to Gibson, you know, you want to make sure Anderson is ready to go um, at the at a moment's notice. And also, if the Ducks, you know, if they have to trade Anderson to get that scoring winger they want, playing him and showcasing him can only help, help their cause going forward as well.
1: Yeah, you're right. That's a very good point. You don't want him sitting on the bench either being rusty if Gibson gets hurt or, you know, being there and then, hey, you're trying to shop him around, but, well... Well, you're trying to shop him around he's not even playing. So you make a very good point there. Adam, what do you think about the goalie situation? Uh,
3: I do not think Anaheim has a backup goalie at this time. I think we have a a 1A and a 1B. And the, depending on the week, depending on the opponent, uh, Gibson can be the 1A or he can be the 1B. Anderson is only 26. It's not like he's an old guy or anything. We can ride both, gold, uh, both goaltenders, ride the hot hand. And, uh, you know, that... That was a lot of success last year right there, and I think that that'll happen again this year. You just ride the uh, the hot hand. Anderson um, is not a backup. Gibson is not a backup. Both of them are starter caliber goalies in this league, and uh, I think that we should play them as such, especially if we keep them both. There's no point to say, oh, Anderson's the designated backup or Gibson is the designated backup. Play both. Play the hot hand. It seems to be something that Boudreaux likes to do anyways, and uh, I don't see any reason to stop that. That's what the ducks have said, anyway. Is there's one A and one B. Yeah, that, that's oh, what well. There you going go.
1: With. Yeah, exactly. They've been going with the one A and the one B. Uh, Thomas, or I'm sorry, uh, Eddie. Any uh, final thoughts on the goalie situation?
2: No, I think everybody summed it up pretty much. Uh, you you would hope to see a little bit more of Anderson coming up, uh, either if like if Thomas said it, uh, is to boost his his value in, in in a trade, or just to to you know get some rest on Gibson, obviously. Uh, he's gonna be going to the all-star game and uh, when he comes back depending on you know I mean hopefully he doesn't get hurt but uh, we would like to see Anderson hopefully start tomorrow get a shot in Ed Gibson's uh, struggle a little bit in the in the last few games compared to his play uh, and when he first got called up and you know, obviously the shutouts and everything like that but yeah we'll be riding both of them for most of the season and uh, like you said you would expect Anderson to play more than than a regular backup.
1: Uh, we've, we've answered a majority of the questions. I have one last one, which is pretty much kind of a yes or no. no. I, I think you're all going to say yes, but if anybody's going to say no, that's fine too. Um, Jimmy threw out a question about the playoffs. He says, do you think the Ducks will make the playoffs? I say yes. I, I don't know if anybody has anything else different or something else they want to add. If anybody does, go for it. But I, I think we're all yes. Yeah,
2: yeah. I would yes. – in, in this I division, yeah. I think they yeah. can. Yeah. But yeah, only because
0: it's in the Pacific. If they're in the Central, if they're in the Atlantic, if they're in the Metropolitan, they do not make it. They are very lucky they're in the Pacific Division right, right now because other than L.A., this entire division has been terrible this season and incredibly inconsistent.
1: And I don't think anybody would disagree with you, Thomas. The Pacific Division is more like the pathetic division because, <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, besides the Kings, and you have to give credit where credit's due, they've been playing very well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see because we're going to face them later on in this homestand. So, you know, we're going to have some tough battles coming up too. Um, a couple other things going on, uh, coming up, you know, we have the all-star game coming up. If you didn't hear, uh, Gibson and Perry got named to it. So at least we got some representation there, uh, after that awesome vote for, you know, John Scott, the guy everybody wanted. So at least we got a couple of ducks in there. That'll be good uh on the goal front we had uh in the NHL in general uh, Genla got his 600th goal this past week and then you had uh Oveshkin getting number 499 so he's right there on the cusp of getting 500 so uh you know just a little bit of news around the league um we'll keep you guys updated on everything that we can and uh you know keep following the website with all the updates um I've got a couple more new writers, which I've got to maybe try and get them on here and whatnot, but we're going to be doing more articles and just keep on improving and doing what we're doing. And I thank everybody uh, on here for all the work you guys have done the last couple seasons and being on the show. And uh, I just hope that we keep rolling on this homestand and get in a better position.